0: Welcome to What's the Data Point from Citizens Budget Commission and Gotham Gazette. I'm Ben Max from Gotham Gazette.
1: I'm Maria Dulles from the CBC.
0: Thanks for joining us today. Uh, very excited about today's show. If you've missed any of our recent ones, of course, you can find those on your favorite podcast platform. We post them all at the Gotham Gazette website and at the CBC website. Make sure you subscribe to What's the Data Point on your favorite podcast platform and tell your friends, neighbors people you're stuck on the subway with, uh, your colleagues, and others to check us out. Uh, We've had a couple great recent episodes with Linda Gibbs from Bloomberg Associates, who is a deputy mayor under Michael Bloomberg for two terms, and we recently spoke with Liz Glazer from the Mayor's Office of Criminal Justice. Um, Those are just two among many good and timely episodes, so check those out if you've missed them. Okay, today. Today, we're joined by Patrick Arecki, who's a research associate here at CBC, and he's going to talk about his report on the financing of the Mario M. Cuomo Bridge, which is replacing the Tappan Zee Bridge. Patrick, thanks for being here.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: And this new bridge has been the source of some controversy. We're going to get into that, financing, naming, more. Um, but before we dig in with Patrick, here's Maria with today's data point.
1: Today's data point is 3.1 miles, the length of the new Governor Mario M. Cuomo Bridge, whose second span was inaugurated and opened with some hiccups two weeks ago. The Cuomo Bridge replaces the Tappan Zee Bridge connecting Rockland and Westchester counties just north of New York City. It took four years and $4 billion to construct the new bridge, and the price tag was financed with a federal loan, one-time settlement funds, and new bonds. Now the bridge has a new span, new debt, and a new name, but no new toll. The Citizens Budget Commission last year, and by that I mean Patrick, Estimated that the toll may need to double to finance the debt service costs of the new bridge. Patrick is here to tell us why that is. Welcome, Patrick.
0: Thank you. So, fascinating report. Folks can read along as they're listening or check it out before or after, Bridging the Financial Gap, Funding the, the Mario Cuomo Bridge. Um, fascinating financing mechanisms, um, but before we, we dig into that, um, maybe a little bit of background on the need for this new bridge or, or where this bridge came from in the first place. It's a pretty mega infrastructure project.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the the new bridge, uh, the Governor Mario M. Cuomo Bridge as it's named now, is replacing the old Governor Malcolm Wilson and Z Bridge. Um, the old and Z was built, it was completed in 1955 as part of the entire construction in the throughway system, um, which was, it took about seven years and that, that was uh, the entire construction of what we know as the the mainline three-way system now. It's 426 miles from New York City all the way up to Albany and then west to Buffalo. And and the Tappan Zee Bridge was kind of one of the, the focal points in the construction of that major asset in New York State. Um, so it was completed in 1955, um, a three-mile-long bridge um, that connects Nyack and, and Tarrytown uh, in the Westchester suburbs. So when it was, when it was completed then, uh, that bridge cost about 80 million dollars in 1955, which would, you know, adjusted for inflation be about 750 million dollars today.
1: Oh, sounds like a steal. Yeah,
2: that's a good deal. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: So did it, why did it need to be replaced? I mean, was this an essential project? Was this the Governor Andrew Cuomo vanity project?
2: Um, Do you have an assessment in terms of the need here? Yeah, so the Planning process for this bridge was, I mean, effectively started in about 1997. That's when the Thruway Authority decided that the old Tappansee Bridge was at a point where it was most cost-effective to simply replace the asset rather than continue to rehabilitate it. Um, obviously, from 1997 to, to 2012, when the final plan was really agreed to, that's multiple governorships. Um, I think the, the count was over 400 meetings held. Um, between state agencies and also with the community to try to settle on an actual design for this bridge. But it was pretty clear that it, it needed to be replaced at that point. I mean, this was a bridge, again, that was completed in 1955 with an expected life of, of 50 years. Um, ultimately, it, it went just over 60 years. So it was time to replace it. Um, and it was important to, to get it right. With a, a project of this magnitude,
1: right. So the the stuff is not built to last forever, right. And so it's important to be doing the kind of basic daily, yearly, annual maintenance to make sure the asset is functional. But even so, at that point, there's sort of this sort of systemic engineering problems with these things as they age that make them obsolete, mm-hmm. and you know even potentially dangerous in some cases. Um,
0: and Governor Cuomo has been rightly, it seems. Uh, according to you, uh, saying that people were talking about this for a really long time and we actually are getting it done and yes. that it was necessary.
1: And he deserves a lot of credit for that. I mean, this was a project that was stuck in environmental review after environmental review. You're talking about a report that'd come out hundreds of pages and it'd be the draft and then there'd be, a phase say, <laughs> phase two and the final, I mean it was absolutely incredible. And he said, well, look, if this is a priority and we need to replace the bridge, mind you, they're paying maintenance costs and trying to fix it to keep it operational while this entire study is happening. Let's get it done. right? And so one, one of the ways that happened um, was that he allowed or he gave authority to the Thruway, organization, the Thruway Authority, which manages uh, and owns the asset to use design build, right? And so talk about how that allowed them to effectively kickstart and expedite this project.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So over the 15 or so years that ideas were being volleyed back and forth about what the new bridge um, would look like, whether it would support um, mass transit through buses, if there was going to be commuter rail on it, um, whether it would be one span or two spans, how many lanes there would be. Um, Throughout this process, ultimately, they settled on a a dual span, four lanes in each direction on each span um, with that could also support rapid bus transit, and it also will house um, pedestrian and bike lanes and pedestrian overlooks, which are things that the old bridge didn't have.
1: So I want to pause there, right? Because some transit advocates were unhappy with this, but here's another perspective, which is there was a decision made right at some point you got to stop arguing and you say okay we're making a decision this is the path we're going to go down and we'll think for the future by allowing you know building out the design so that it allows for additions later on but kind of key to this is saying okay this is what we want and government making a clear decision
2: absolutely so so we settle on that design um and again to to get back to your previous question, um, design-build authority was granted to the to the Thruway Authority um, specifically for this project. Um, so what the design-build procurement allows you to do is kind of speed up the process where normally you would um, you would have a firm get a contract to design it uh, and then re-procure a new contract to actually build that bridge. So under a single design-build type of construct for procurement, you create a, a consortium that brings together your engineers, your designers, the construction firms, um, and they apply and uh, receive one single contract to do the whole thing top to bottom. Um, So the the group that was created, they're actually called Tappan Z Constructors. It's multiple design firms, engineering firms, and construction firms that took this kind of start to finish. When they were um, put together, we had no idea that the name change was
0: coming. At least that was not a public discussion. Um, That happened sort of pretty late in the game, and that's been a whole nother political conversation that we won't really get into here. Um, so that's, I think, part of why folks might be wondering what. Well, if they were going to name it Mario Cuomo Bridge, why'd they call the this working construction group Tap Z? So just to clear that up, I guess. Um, so design build. We've covered this a lot at Gotham Gazette. You guys have obviously done a lot of work with, on this at CBC. helped save time and money, um, and that seems to really have been the case here. And this mm-hmm. is another. Proof point that design build is a smart way to go in many instances for infrastructure work um,
1: what, So what was the estimate because there was you know there was some preliminary scoping that indicated that there would be a cost and a time to get this done under let's say conventional design bid build lowest bidder methods right yeah. so what how, how much what can we say was the impact of design build? what did it save off the early estimates and what did, you know was it done on time or quicker?
2: Yeah, when um, kind of pre-contract, when the state um, submitted its documentation to the to the federal Department of Transportation um, to try to get funding for the bridge, but also oversight of the environmental process and the construction process, um, that estimate was over five billion dollars. So that's pre-contract. Um, ultimately, when the contract was finalized and with the related costs outside of the contract, the bridge is going to cost about four billion dollars. So it is um, less than what was initially expected. Um, it's it's kind of TBD. There's still you know some work going on right now, um, whether the the ultimate final price tag is going to be exactly four billion dollars or a little bit more or maybe a little bit less. Um, but the just that method of procurement is it's pretty um, clear that it, it resulted in some serious savings. And to end time and time. And, and,
0: and, time. and, it's, yeah. Yeah. and do do we know those cost estimates from? Is that something that you calculated, or has the throughway authority put that out? The Cuomo administration. I mean, it, has there been clarity on that? I think there's been, at least in
2: the discussions I've seen, some confusion around what the actual costs are going to be. Yeah, we know that the the design-build contract as signed is 3.14 billion dollars. Um, obviously you can, you know, there are contingencies built in there and there are related costs that are kind of borne directly by the Thruway Authority, um, that will take it up to about $4 billion, but we know that the contract is, is 3.14. Um, at the end of the day, we'll see what the final contract where, what the final project cost is, might be a little bit of variance, but. Um, so nobody, we shouldn't really expect it to be
0: much more than four billion. No. I mean, maybe a sl- maybe a sliver over, but right. really that's the general estimate. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to get into how that four billion is being paid for soon. I just wanted to go back to this discussion about uh, the bridge and the lifespan. The prior bridge had a fifty-year lifespan, give or take. Mm-hmm. Was up for about sixty. Is there an estimate for how long this new bridge is going to last?
2: Yeah. So the, the new bridge, the estimated life is 100 years. So this is a, a century-long project. Yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. yeah So nice. so in today's dollars, quite a bit
0: more cost than what the old one in today's dollars was, but twice
2: as much uh, of a lifespan estimated. Okay. And, and not only that, the, the lifespan of the bridge, but this is this isn't a simple copy-paste job of the old bridge. That was seven lanes densely on that single span. This is two spans, four lanes of traffic all day, every day in both directions, shoulders, pedestrian lanes, all those things we mm-hmm. talked about before. Right. right, so it's not
0: as simple as saying $750 million in today's dollars for the old bridge versus right. $4 billion, twice as long. You've got all sorts of other things.
1: Yeah, factors. it's a more sophisticated modern design in addition to, you know, the evolution in technology and materials and how we think about building these things out.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about financing.
1: Yes. So we know how much it costs, more or less, because we know the contract. Um, and the financing structure is pretty clear in that where the state got the money to build it is known, right? So yeah. let's go over what that is.
2: Yeah. So the, the first thing, the single largest chunk is a $1.6 billion loan from the federal government. Um, So the the federal government has a program where they will offer states a kind of uh, cost-effective financing system for major projects like this, especially ones that have a a regional importance or a national importance like the the Tappan Zee replacement did. Right, um, so
1: this is known as the TIFIA program, yeah, yeah. and the, the project was actually significant enough it was on the cover of the federal budget one year, right?
2: Yeah, at the time it was the single largest, and it still is one of the single largest uh, TIFIA loans ever granted at $1.6 billion. Um, and and we kind of talked about how effective that the state was with its own procurement practices and things like that, but it was also a really successful collaboration between uh, the state government and the federal government. Um Because they were able to kind of fast track the environmental review process, which normally would take up to a couple of years, if not more than a couple of years, that the the state and the federal government um, effectively coordinated and got done in 10 months. And that's without cutting corners or anything like that. It was just heavily prioritized and effectively done. And around when was that happening? That was in 2012.
0: Okay. So... We've already noted the use of design build as a positive, right. the use of pushing ahead this bridge project that had been talked about for a long time. You know, there's <laughs> both themes seem, emanating out is, of this. Yeah, this is I mean, this is good. I mean, this yeah. is interesting. You know, CBC, Gotham Gazette, we're often pointing out lots of problems. We haven't gotten into the full financing discussion here, but mm-hmm. we could take a second to say a few yeah. really interesting, positive uh, governmental actions here. Um, so, why not pause for? for noting that for a moment. <laughs> Go ahead, Patrick.
2: Yeah, so um, $1.6 billion from the federal government loan. Uh, the next kind of layer is up to about $1.2, $1.3 billion in throughway way issued bonds for the project. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, the rest of the gap is closed by um, a, a little over a billion dollars of state cash as well. So that takes us up to the total $4 billion figure that we're looking at right now.
1: And that's an appropriate mix for a project, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That was going to be my question. I mean, is that something that seems, from your point of view at CBC, as as an okay way to do it?
1: Yeah, and I think you know, projects of this caliber and importance, I think often require federal uh, support, right? Um, you know, the thing that. I like to remind people is we look at you know this fancy infrastructure in other countries and sure we have our problems in terms of how we build things here but a key difference is the federal or national government in a lot of other places is really stepping up to the plate not just with loans but with grants backing this this infrastructure which is not what we have here and so to the extent federal programs like this are available um or should be more available um it's good and necessary to get this stuff done um, you know, you can go and the throughway issues bonds. Those bonds are backed by the tolls. That is a pretty standard and appropriate way. I think there could be some discussion about whether the state should be putting up its capital dollars, you know, tax resources, funding this project that could be backed by tolls versus some other things. I think that's a little more gray. Um, You know, we disagree even at CBC about that, Mm -hmm. but if you're looking at something that's a gubernatorial priority and you're looking at these one-time settlement funds, right, rather than using them for something with a continual operating purpose, devoting it to something like this to reduce the debt burden, I think is fine.
0: Right, and that's where some of this money comes from is these settlements um, that have been used for a wide variety of purposes by the governor and some by the attorney general's office, Manhattan DA, and others. um, Right taken a little bit of a look at that in the past
1: yeah so you know we know the cost we know what's backing that to pay for it what we don't know is what the tolls will have to be to fund this and who will be paying tolls where
2: correct um so what's the what's the toll been the the current toll if you had a regular passenger vehicle is five dollars for your trip. Um, it's only charged one way, it's only charged eastbound or 475 if you have easy pass. There's a slight discount. Um, commuters can also, if they make 20 or more trips in a month, so those are your local residents that are doing it uh, every workday. Um, their trip is about $3 per trip. So there's a discount for every for the people that use the bridge constantly. Um, those are for passenger vehicles. So as part of the state's application to the to the federal government, they estimated what the tolls would be. Um, because, uh, you know, the, the loan to the federal government is contingent on, you know, being able to prove also that you, you can repay it. And the through throughway authorities' bonds also are backed by the presumptive toll revenue. Um, so when the state submitted those materials in 2012, uh, the executive suggested that it would be about $14 um, rather than that current $5 level. So nearly tripling which is a rate that is sort of in line with the the cash toll on the George Washington Bridge to the south.
1: Right. So big increase from the current amount. Not, you know, totally crazy or unheard of when you're looking more regionally. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, But it's frozen.
1: Well, so that's where the shenanigans (laughs) come in. Yes. This Mm -hmm. is where
2: we start to become more critical after spending all yes. that time trumpeting the good things.
1: Right. So I think, you know, what, one problem here is that, yeah, you know, you're building out this new asset, but you, you sort of owe it to people to say, okay, here's what the plan is and here's how you can plan your life because this is what will change if you are a commuter using this bridge, right? Um, and so that's not there. And then the other part of that is this, you know, some not good decisions made by the governor to offer support on those tolls.
2: Right. So currently the the kind of working response to what the what is the toll going to be is uh, kind of we don't know yet we froze we decided to freeze tolls on the entire throughway system through 2020. Right. Um, so that's the that's the working response.
1: Right. So some of the settlement funds that we were talking about, this large, large part of money. So some of it was given to fund the construction costs and some of it was basically given as operating support to the Thruway authority to say, okay, don't raise the tolls anywhere because Theoretically, what you could also do is say, okay, this is a, a big project. Um, we won't have the users of the bridge themselves bear the full cost of repaying the bonds, and we'll sort of, like, spread it through the throughway system and increase tolls everywhere. This is a decision to really go entirely opposite direction and say, nope, we're freezing the tolls for everybody.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the tolls are frozen on the entire system, so that the, there's a total of $2 billion that the state has been kicking to the throughway authority over the last couple of years, of that is what we talked about before that um, pays for a a significant part of the bridge, but there's also about um, $700, $800 million that is just kind of supporting the the general capital program at the Thruway Authority, which helps keep the tolls frozen, um, which is certainly more inappropriate use of a one-time revenue to to backfill general operations and, and kind of standard maintenance on the system you would think if, if there's a beautiful new bridge
0: opening that that would mean make a lot of sense to people to pay a, at least a slightly higher toll at. right you know they like you can justify it yes, pretty I easily i
1: think the the operative word is slightly right what is slightly at least slightly at least <laughs> um, you, what, what is appropriate in terms of more um and but you know it's kind of underlines this, this point that I actually don't think electeds are, are good at making which is you know what people if we want nice things we're gonna have to pay for them right we're gonna have to pay more if we're gonna get our infrastructure in good shape okay that, that comes you know the subway these bridges states and roads across the country um you know we're gonna have to increase user fees look towards those kind of models think about investing more money and think about the funding mechanisms to doing that and you know the subway is the classic case right everyone says the subway's so terrible, I can't pay more. Well, if you don't if your fare doesn't go up, there's no way we're gonna, you know, be able to address the needs in the subway system to get the service where it could be.
0: But in addition to that, this idea that the MTA has put in place an expected regular fare increase, you would think you could open a new bridge and say, Here's how the tolls are going to increase year by year and here's and here's why you have a brand new bridge um, exactly and right. so it just makes a lot of sense to, to do that all at once but that's not what's, what's happening yeah
1: and to take it to make it a little historical too you know the sense in New York we have so many public authorities that do so many important things and you know when these things were all being spun up there was this sense that well you know they're going to depoliticize it they'll be more business like they'll be more nimble and they can take the tougher decisions and I don't
0: know, you right. know right
1: you can be your own judge about whether that's the case
0: <laughs> um so that certainly ties in with the new name and the fanfare around the opening of the different spans. And again, we won't get too much into the, the politics of it, but new bridges often come with a bit of fanfare.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and when they opened the old bridge in 1955, I think there was a, a parade also and there was a band there. So um, it's it's not new that there was this big... Uh, excitement around the opening of the second span and, and the opening of the first span previously. Um, that's uh, very reasonable, I think. It's a, a huge new asset. Um, but in the in the absence of the Thruway Authority providing that new toll estimate um, last year based on these financing costs and what the debt levels are, uh, we at the CBC um, estimated what the toll increase would have to be to try to Pay for those costs going forward, um, and what we ultimately um, settled on was that the toll would, d- depending on if there's a little bit more throughway bond debt uh, issued, that the toll would approximately have to double going forward. So that five dollar toll would go up to um, around ten dollars, and for the for the local commuters, it would go from about three dollars to closer to seven. It looks like. And when does that have to happen? So are you
0: taking into account frozen until 2020, so immediately in 2020 it needs to jump to
2: those numbers? That It's based on the kind of aggregate debt amount. So already the the bonds that were issued, you're, you're paying interest on those. Um, the federal government grants a little bit of, uh, of a buffer after completion of the project, so... Um, the interest payments from the federal loan start in twenty twenty three, and then the principal payments start in twenty twenty five. So there is a bit of a lag there, but the thruway authority debt um, is is maturing sooner, and there's there's uh, regular interest payments associated with that, with that already. So there's state debt and thruway authority debt that we need to think about. The, the state
0: throughway authority debt. One okay. So sale. so the the federal loan versus the through. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Understood. Yep. Got it. Right. Yep. And. And so in terms of this
2: $14 estimate, where does that come into play? So that was what the the state floated out as part of its loan application. And, and there hasn't been any clear statement that no, that's inaccurate now because the answer is we'll figure it out in 2020. Kind of we'll, we'll come up with a more solid plan. Uh, after the toll freeze is over right. right so maybe it's in 2020 that a gradual increase starts or something
0: along those lines right. but who, but but we we can't forecast that so we're going to be yeah. waiting
1: and and the fear right is that if you don't if you're very timid on going where you have to go on the toll increases that it produces an incentive to get into fiscal shenanigans right and start playing sort of games with how you're moving money and refinancing debt and all of that stuff so it's it's worrisome
0: well that is the question right long term is repaying this debt Mm -hmm. and and being you know understanding that tolls have to come into to the picture
2: here um okay anything else you want to mention on the financing or yeah just speaking to that that last point not having a clear plan is important not only for um for the people that are going to be paying that toll in the near future um most likely but uh Ratings agencies yes. have have noted it as well. So, from a credit standpoint, they um, I think uh, view this as a credit negative because the failure to have a plan and guarantee to your bondholders, we know what the toll is going to be to be able to finance this debt is it's a it's a risk. So, it's a real thing, not only for the for the users, but for for ratings agencies too. And you're
0: talking about the state through authority. We're seeing similar issues with the MTA. We we know that both. You know, New York City, New York State, a lot of debt issues that in a very good economy are not necessarily being dealt with. So um, some serious questions ahead on a variety of levels about how things are getting paid for and how debt is going to be paid down in the future. Um, OK, last couple minutes here. Other bridge issues we should be thinking about um,
2: across the, the region. Yeah. So this is one bridge of a little over 17,000 bridges in New York state. Um, so it's, it's important, uh, to, to focus on the infrastructure picture more broadly too, when you think about things like this, it's not just the mega projects that should, should get attention. Um, on a kind of related note, uh, also about a year ago, we reported on just the state DOT capital planning process broadly. So, um, in New York State, the, the DOT capital planning process is kind of politicized, where it, you pick a number that the state is going to pay for over the life of the financial plan, um, and then that's divided up regionally, um, and it's, it's just too political. And, and what we wrote about a year ago was that the state needs a much more um, rigorous, objective capital plan- planning process for roads and bridges across the state, you know, not just huge projects like this, um, because the current process uh, creates too many regional disparities, first of all. Um, but second of all, New York State has more structurally deficient bridges across the state than national levels. Um, so there are, uh, I think it's about 1,800 structurally deficient bridges in New York State um, right now. So that deserves a lot of attention as well. Um certainly. Sounds like it.
1: You're absolutely right. I mean, I think and I think downstate, we're so focused on the MTA here and the you know, the commuter rails. We don't think, I mean, maybe on Long Island where you're driving a lot or, or Westchester, but we don't really think about the state of, of roads um, and bridges, but it is critically important and there are serious issues there too. And I think we, we at CBC are going to continue to study this and be thinking more generally about how the state prioritizes infrastructure investments and what the process is and how it can be improved for Kind of coming up with a, a broader strategy and plan for addressing this, um, because you don't, you know, a project like the Tap Z, which is so critical, but also you know becomes this marquee um, initiative, grabs all this attention, whereas you know kind of these smaller spans that are critical for people in these regions across the state are in bad shape and not getting enough attention either. Um, Thank you, Patrick. That was very fascinating. Um, for those of you who listen, you know Patrick is also our resident health expert, and he has a report coming out very soon that is on Medicaid, which is also something really important in New York State because it is, you know, one third of the state budget, a lot of money, both on the the state and the local level. And if you've listened to this program before, if you follow these topics, right, you know that New York is really unique in the sense that the local governments have to pay a big share of Medicaid costs. Um, So Patrick, you, after kind of very, um, a decade of, let's say, policy developments in this to to adjust this um, distribution of costs, have looked at what the effect has been report is coming out next week, but for our listeners here, we will give you a, a preview of what Patrick found, um, and then you can find the report on the website um, in the days to come.
2: Yeah, uh, New York's Medicaid program is $70 billion this year, uh, and $7 billion of that is uh, contributed by local, re- local governments across New York State. The uh, 57 counties and New York City contribute $7 billion to finance that program. Um, it's a requirement that's really unique to New York State. Um, And it's something that the CBC has talked about for a a long time, the need to eliminate that local share because it's a a regressive burden on counties. Um, Just when you think about it logically, if you have more poor residents, that means you have to chip in more to finance this program. Um, So this report that we're going to put out kind of lays out those issues, um, talks about some of the successes that the state has had. The The local share has been frozen for the last several years, which is a, a huge step forward. Um, but we also present a, a menu of options for going the next step further and starting to reduce that local share and, and having the state take it over.
0: Okay. Well, we will look for that new report coming out soon. And for the bulk of our conversation today... Folks should find your prior report on bridging the financial gap, funding the Governor Mario M. Cuomo Bridge. Patrick, thanks for joining us, and Thank thanks for listening.
1: Thank you. Bye. Bye.